Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. We're in. We're in a series that we wanted to start for a few weeks about what it means to overhear things. We all know someone who overhears things. You maybe know someone like this. Someone in our family, a friend. Like they're, I call them the switchboard people of all relationships. They know everybody. They know what's going on with everybody. They're like, did you hear about them? Oh, I overheard this. And if you ask them, like, how did you overhear that? Well, I can't really tell you. I just overheard. It just overheard. Like, it's because I want to pray. I'm like, sure, yeah, it's because you want to pray. So we have this mechanism of overhearing things. And we thought, you know, we live in a culture where even over this season, this past little while, we've overheard things or we're hearing certain things and we're not sure. And I thought most of the time when we think of the word to overhear something, to overhear what someone is saying, it's usually something negative. It's usually something related to gossip, something you don't want to share, like a secret, you overheard something. But what would happen to us if we overheard something that was beautiful and life-giving and true? What would happen if we overheard someone saying something that gave us hope and gave us a new sense of purpose? And I thought, what if we just for the next few weeks take some time together to overhear what it looks like when Jesus prays for us? How would that change our lives? If we just overheard just more carefully Jesus saying certain things that are about us, and about the things he has in store for us. Now, there's been a few times in my life where overhearing something someone says uh, almost like changed my life. One time was when I was studying music. Some of you know this. I studied music at Vanier College. Any Vanier, Cégep, Vanier, anyway? None of you? You're not going to make it. Anyway, Vanier is where it's at. Uh, I, I studied music at Vanier, and the way it happened when you got into the music program at Vanier is there was auditions. So you went into a room, and you played your instrument, and then you went in a hallway, and you sat on the floor, and you waited for them to tell you if you passed or failed. And you cried because you thought, I did a horrible job, right? And I remember that moment like it was yesterday, how much I was trying to overhear what they were talking about in the room. Just, just trying to listen for like, just something that would make me feel like I, I made it. Like I, I made it enough. I did good enough in my audition to get to the next level. And you know, just to let you know, I, I did. And so I, I, I studied music, okay? <laughs> and then I remember a few years later, it happened again. I was working on my PhD. If you've done any advanced studies or you've done some studies, you know that at a certain point in a, in a doctoral uh, program or even in a graduate program sometimes, you have to defend what you wrote. You have to have a defense of what you said. And scholars and peers, they read it and they bring you into a room and they have a special interview meeting with you and they push back and they're saying, this is garbage, you have to fix that, that's not good, you didn't, right? And I remember this moment like it was yesterday again. I did my defense for my, my PhD and then I sat in a chair. And all I wanted to do was to overhear what they were talking about in the room. It was like 20 minutes that felt like two hours. Just to overhear one thing. My prayer is that this morning, as we overhear just Jesus' words, as he prays, that we would feel that our lives are being changed. 
that they're being transformed and that we have this new sense of hope that Jesus is thinking about us in this moment, if only we could overhear what I've called whispers of hope, that Jesus is praying. He's thought about, thought about us and thought about his disciples. Maybe you can think of right away one of those moments where we really have in our Bibles where we hear Jesus pray. It's probably the most famous thing that you probably know of. And even if you're not a Christian, you don't believe in the Bible, you probably even know this example where Jesus is on the cross and he prays, Father, why have you forsaken me? It's a moment that we overhear a prayer and we're like, whoa, like that, that's deep. I don't know what that means, but that's serious. And I want to begin by telling you of a time where Jesus prays for one of his disciples who's about to enter a real serious time of temptation. And we're told that right near the end of Jesus' life, he's with his disciples, and he, 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 ter- he turns to Peter, and he says something to Peter about a time where Jesus was praying for him. I don't know if you've ever thought about this passage. Maybe it's not familiar to you, but you're not going to see it on the screen, but I'll read it for you. And this is what Jesus says to Simon Peter. It says Simon Peter in the, in the Bible. In Luke chapter 22, it says this. Simon, Simon, Jesus says, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Simon, that your faith may not fail. Isn't that beautiful, this moment where Jesus is like, hey, a temptation is coming your way that you've never felt before. And I am already praying that you will know that God is with you in that moment. God will carry you through that moment. Now, the truth is, I I wish that the Bible said that Jesus would have said, hey, I prayed so you're not going to be tempted. Right? How many of you? Yeah, that's what I would, like, that would have been my prayer. I would have been like, wait a second, Jesus. Well, like, can you just make sure that the temptation just goes away? Jesus is like, no. You will have to learn that there are temptations in this life that you go through. And actually, it's by conquering those temptations, by experiencing God's victory in those temptations that you know that my power is with you. And Jesus says, I prayed for you, Peter, and all of you who are here. Now, you might want to think about this, that in this passage, one of the things that the devil is going to try to do in this story with Peter, which I think is familiar for all of us, he's trying to disqualify Peter and the disciples for the work that God has in store for them. You ever feel that? Peter's going to feel that. You make a mistake, you do something inappropriate, you, you have regrets, and always you hear like, well, God's never going to listen to you. Peter in the next few months, years, is going to be the greatest preacher ever. Any one of us who's ever been a preacher, we want to be like Peter, trust me. And the devil's like, if we could just just Peter to fall away and tempted enough. Maybe he'll be disqualified from what he's going to do. And then just imagine Peter hearing that nobody's going to listen to you. Do you know how many mistakes you've made? Did you deny Jesus? Who's going to listen to you? You're like a liar. You're a hypocrite. Nobody's going to listen to you. All these accusations that Peter will feel. And Jesus is like, Peter, hey, hey, I'm praying. I'm praying for you. The Lord is going to be with you now. And Peter is going to struggle and he's going to fail and he's going to stumble. But Jesus will find Peter find him. We have examples where Jesus prays, and we don't always hear everything. We just have Jesus saying, hey, I was praying. But then we also have examples in the Bible where we move from like a private times of prayer to more public moments, where Jesus lets some of his disciples, some people around, listen in on the prayers. This is probably one of my favorite examples in the Bible, is when Jesus goes to see Mary and Martha, who've been asking Jesus for something for a few days. If you're new to Christianity, maybe this story doesn't ring a bell, but if you, if you know your Bible, if you read it, you know this, that Lazarus, their brother, is dead. And he's gone. And they've prayed. They've called on Jesus. They've said, somebody, if you see Jesus in Galilee, if you see Jesus wherever he is, tell him that Lazarus is sick. He's going to die. Like, we need Jesus to come now. And Jesus doesn't go right away. Time goes by. We know that Lazarus is put in a tomb, cave in a sense. 
And then Jesus shows up. Like, what do you think those sisters are saying to Jesus? Why? Like, why didn't you show up? He's gone now. He's dead. We thought you loved us. Haven't I prayed that over this COVID season? Jesus, I thought you loved us. I thought you cared about the church. I thought you cared about these families. I thought you cared. Why is this still going on? Why is our projector not working? Why? What are your whys? All the whys. Why this? Why my kids? Why my family? Why? We're not the first ones to, to ask Jesus this. You know that, right? Why? And Jesus shows up. We know his heart is heavy and he's there and he's listening. Mary and Martha are there. And this is one of those great moments, very few moments, where Jesus is about to pray and he's about to let people who are there listen. They're going to overhear Jesus pray. That's what it says. Maybe listen to it and feel this. So they took away the stone from where Lazarus was put. Then Jesus looked up and said, here's the prayer, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here who were over here. That they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. (sighs) Can you imagine that moment where they're listening to Jesus pray? And one thing they would have understood right away is that Jesus prays in such a way where the Father hears his prayers. The Father hears him. And Jesus says, Father, I know that you hear me, but I'm praying now so that they would know that you sent me. And what they see in me, they know comes from you. It's part of the plan that you have in store for the world. So maybe you want to feel that this morning. Maybe you want to return to the simple idea. When you and I pray, Jesus is listening. Because of him, the Father is listening to us pray. And what would that mean if we really believe that? What would that mean if we really came to God and made it a priority to pray and to be present in those moments? I know that I struggle with this so much because I feel that God listening to me means God does what I prayed about. Anyone? Like, that's what listening means. I do this with my kids. I asked you to do something. Did you do it? No. Why aren't you listening? Listening always means doing what I say. But the Bible tells us that as we learn to overhear Jesus pray, that there's times where God does things in an unexpected way, but he's listening, and he's present, and he's at work. And sometimes there's a moment of great victory where Lazarus is dead. He will come back to life. But you know what? Lazarus will die again. You know, we often confuse these moments in the Bible with, well, Lazarus resurrected. No, Lazarus did not resurrect. Lazarus will eventually die. But there's these moments where God allows his disciples to hear him pray so that they understand that God is at work in a new way. I want to just encourage you over the next two weeks, very, very simple, to read a section of John's gospel with us. You could just do this in your free time. If you have a devotional, maybe you're reading something else, but maybe you don't even know where to start reading the Bible or where to learn about this. John's gospel has a little section of a few verses. Usually it's chapter 13 to 17 of the gospel of John. Some people say 14 to 17, but 13 to 17, okay? Not a lot of reading, not a lot of prep time, very, very simple. And scholars over the years have called these verses the farewell, farewell discourse of Jesus. It's kind of like his farewell words to his disciples. And in this time with them, John gives us the longest time where Jesus is with his disciples before he's going to go and die and be crucified. 
And in John's gospel, we have this long extended section of John where we get some of the most beautiful passages in the Bible that we almost know by heart, but we don't know it comes from this part of the Bible. I want to encourage you to maybe read those chapters as you listen to Jesus pray in those verses because I'm going to show you a section where Jesus begins to pray. He begins to pray because he is preparing his disciples for something we all feel more than even the disciples felt. He's preparing his disciples for the fact that he is going to leave. How hard it would have been to hear, they would have been like, what? You're leaving? Where? Like, this is it, right? Three years with you, you're like, you're leaving? She's like, yeah, I'm going to go now. Let me just begin to prepare you for what that's going to look like when I leave. I'm going to go away, and the Father is going to send someone to you who will remind you of my power and my presence, right? They're like, we don't like this. Very weird. No, 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 no. You're not going anywhere. And he's going to like, okay, tone it down, everybody. Okay, I am going to leave, and Peter, you're going to be tempted. Okay, you guys, he's kind of setting up the whole scene. And at different moments, he's trying to encourage them to say, hey, even though I'm not here, don't be discouraged. And the way he encourages them is he's about to let them listen to him pray. If you want to write anything down, like, remember that. Jesus is about to show them what it looks like when he prays as he prepares them for what God is calling them to do. And this is what we're told kind of just at the beginning of of that moment. This is what Jesus says. Jesus replied, a time is coming, and it in fact has come, when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone. Yet, I am not alone, for my Father is with me. That's what Jesus says. How beautiful, right? Before he prays, he's like, listen, let me just prepare you as much as I can that I'm about to go now and you're all going to be scattered. You're going to feel pressures that you've never felt before. You're not even sure. You won't even, you won't even be sure what to do. Like imagine like if, if I said to you before COVID happened, hey, in a few weeks, there's going to be a global pandemic and they're going to shut the church down. All of you would have said to me, come on, that's ridiculous, Right? And I've been like, yeah, and it's going to be waves, and we're going to have to close and open and close and open, and we're all going to get angry at each other. And all of you will be like, no, oh, come on, that's not going to happen. That's ridiculous. Well, get ready. <laughs> I was reading this week, and the feeling, just a weight of a feeling scattered. You know, the church is opening up, and people ask me, I've, I've talked to some pastors in Ontario and different parts of, you know, the U.S. who are friends of ours, and they're like, hey, are people coming back to church as things open up? I'm like, well... You know, maybe. Like, are people excited to gather together and to be together? Like, well, we'll see. They've been scattered, and we're praying that they know and they understand and they feel the importance of being together. Some of you are watching online, and, you know, we're so close to soon being allowed to come back and no vaccine passports, no registration. I mean, we're, we're there, right? We're, we're tasting it there but are, are people going to come back? Like, what should I tell some of these people who ask me that question? Are people coming back? I'm not sure. I think a lot of times we live in a world where a moment of crisis reveals deeply what was in our heart to begin with. And Jesus says to his disciples, you watch now because a moment of crisis is about to hit you and the only thing that's going to help you now is listen to this prayer. Listen to this prayer. This is what Jesus says, this moment of prayer. He begins like this. After Jesus said this, he looked up toward heaven 
and he prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. Can you imagine overhearing this? Like at a distance, at the table, drinking, you're like, hey man, Jesus is, he's starting to pray, guys. Everybody be quiet. He's starting to pray, and we should just listen. We know this is so significant in the Bible. If you're, if you're a Christian, you know this, that there will be times where Jesus allows his disciples to hear him pray, that they ask him, Jesus, teach us to pray the way you pray. So we know this. This is like a big deal. And so just to help you understand this moment when Jesus says, the time has come now. This is a serious moment. I need to teach you like a little biblical idea, like just a little bit. And, and if you haven't been to church for a while, you maybe forgot that we're just going to help you go just a little bit deeper here. And you're like, yeah, I forgot that we have to learn something. Yeah, okay, good for you. So uh, we want to just help you grow in understanding what the Bible teaches. Because if COVID has taught us anything, is that anybody can post anything about the Bible related to anything, and some people are like, I guess that's what the Bible says. No, no, a lot of the times that's not what the Bible says at all. And if we learned anything is that we need to learn to learn how to read the Bible well and to grow in that understanding. And if you're into that and you want that, you'll love it here. If you don't want that, you'll hate it here, okay? So let me just explain to you one very simple idea. That in the biblical world, there are two words for time. Okay? If you're taking notes, you want to write this down, you want to remember it, it's important. Two words for time. One we know most commonly because we use it in English. And the word is chronos. Okay? Chronos is when we get the English word what from? Chrona, logical. Okay? That's a view of time that means time moves in a chronological order. Next year, the year after, right? The word is chronos. And it appears in the Bible and it's a Greek word and it's used all the time for time. The time is moving in a certain direction, right? But there's another word in the Bible for time, which is kairos. That word means a moment in time that is so special, it usually is never repeated. It's a moment where God reveals something, and then it's gone. It's a moment of revelation in that moment, and then it's like, will that happen again? We don't think so. This happens at different times in the Bible. Now, you never maybe thought of the word, but it happens at different times in the Bible. Here's one of the times that you maybe know about, right? When Jesus, when Jesus is born right? It's a moment of like revelation. It, it's special. It's not going to happen again. You better get it, right? Another time is the moment where Jesus is at a wedding and his mother says, hey, Jesus, listen, These, this is a party family. This family's party time. They drank all the wine. And Jesus is like, why is that my problem? And you know what happens? Mary says, Jesus, my son, do whatever he says, and he, he could help us, could help us. It's always nice, huh? Jesus is going to make some more wine. Some of you here, you like wine. Okay, you would have loved this wedding, okay? So Jesus can help us, and Jesus will say to her, this is not the time. Like, he, he'll be obedient, but there's a moment where there's moments of revelation that are part of a kairos moment that's different than a chronological moment of time, where it's just, it just keeps happening. As we listen to this prayer, we should hear this prayer as a kairos moment where the disciples are getting a special moment of listening into Jesus pray that is very, very unique. And what Jesus does, actually what John will do as we read this, is Jesus is going to start to speak of himself in the third person. He'll start to say the Son and the Father. He'll start to use the, He won't say I and God. He'll say the Son, which he's talking about himself. He'll, he'll use language that's weird to us. Like if I started speaking of myself in the third person, he there, you'd be like, that's weird. He thinks he's really special or something. 
But it's that kind of language so we could throw you off. So when you're reading it this week and you get to this point, don't be confused. Jesus is saying, now you will understand that I came to glorify the Father. And as you're listening to this prayer, if we're overhearing this prayer with the disciples, we're listening, we're like, Jesus is going to say something important now. Jesus is going to give us the numbers to the lottery. Jesus, like, that's how people think of listening in, right? I'm going to get a word from the Lord, and I'm going to know in the end. That's not what happens at all, so just relax. A word from the Lord in the Bible is clarification about who Jesus is. That's a word from the Lord. Now, I grew up in a, in a world where a word from the Lord is always like something one person heard from God and nobody else knows. It's almost like magic. I got a word. That's a, I'm like, that happens sometimes, but it's not the dominant way that a word from the Lord happens. In the Bible, when a word from the Lord comes forth, it's clarity about the word who is Jesus himself. Okay? And if you don't like that, you're going to hate the Bible. You're going to wish the Bible gave you magical words that you can use in life. The Bible always points us back to Jesus who is the word. And if you want to hear him pray, listen in now. The disciples will hear Jesus talk about his glory, the glory that it is on him because he's doing what the Father asked him to do. And as Jesus is obedient, the Father himself is about to be glorified as well. This is such a beautiful passage of Scripture. But, you know, I found it hard as I was studying and reading because there is no English word that captures the word for glory. Nothing. We have no good word that captures fully what Jesus says when he says, Now, Father, the time has come for you to glorify your Son and for your Son to glorify you. So if I asked you, how often do you use the word glory in your life? You'd be like, Mom, my cousin was named Gloria. Does that count? Uh, sure, yeah, whatever. You realize the word glory feels like like nebulous. You're like, what is that? Even? We don't really use that word. So let me tell you some other words that we should feel when we hear the word glory. We should hear the word reverence. We should hear the word heavy. The ancient Hebrew word for giving glory to God was the word heavy. The word comes from the word for presence. For God is so present in this moment that there's a weight, like we feel this weight on us of what is happening now. And the reason this means that is because anybody who's in attentive to the glory of God usually is doing what? They're bowing down. So they feel the weight of the presence of God in that moment. Years ago, I was, uh, some of you know this now, I studied music, <laughs> uh, and I was uh, playing with a worship team. I played on a worship team. Uh, Dave here and I uh, traveled a little bit. I don't know if he was with me at this, at this point. And I was at a youth camp. I was playing in some sketchy youth camp somewhere in Ontario, and it's like a lot of teenagers, smelly, noisy, bad food, it's just fun times. <laughs> and I remember playing, and I actually, I, w I did this often. Like, I traveled, and I went to Bible school, and I was traveling a lot, and one time in my life, I remember being at this camp, and it was like, I don't even know what night it was. I was so tired. I was like, okay, God, encourage these, the youths. All right. Hope they, hope they have a great experience. And as my friend who was leading worship, I was playing drums. We were all there. As he's playing, he begins to kind of start to cry and start to play softer and softer. Like, so it almost was getting kind of boring. And by the corner of my eye, I'm sitting on the drums, right? I see some of the youth in the room, picture like 300 youth in a room, start to get on their knees. They just start to all get, like nobody told them to get on their knees. It was just, they just started doing this. And I was like, 
this is so strange. Like, what's happening? And within a few minutes, almost all of them were on their knees, quietly praying. And it's one of the first times in my life I remember feeling like, I think this is something about what the word glory means in the Bible. There was no flash. There was no one yelling. There was no, I wasn't even playing anymore. And I remember this was so weird for me because I grew up in a church that equated God's glory with noise. You ever been to one of those? I'm like, hey, I'm not against that. We need to celebrate and sing. And, but that's all I connected with. And then as it got quiet, I was like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. A sense that God is here and he's about to reveal something to these teenagers in a way that they could never have heard before. Jesus says, listen to me now as I tell you about the glory that's on me. The glory that only belongs to the Father and the glory that comes from being obedient to what the Father has called me to do. I don't have to tell any of you, maybe you're watching online, you need a reminder for this. We live in a world that every day is committed to make sure that God the Father is not glorified. That's one pattern of this world that will never change. That we are those in the world, we are the ones as the people of God, this is the language that Jesus uses in the prayer, we'll talk more about that next week, in the world, that, that in a world that wants everything else to be glorified except God the Father. Jesus says, you are now have to learn how to do that here. And we know that there's something about glory that is so profoundly complicated, just before I finish this thought, that the Bible warns us that Jesus tells us that God's glory is found most when we are obedient the way Jesus has been obedient. Just, just hold that in your mind, just for a thought. That God is glorified when we model what Jesus has done, which is be obedient. Jesus does what the Father asked him to do. And now the time has come. The time has come now. And throughout the Bible, the devil will meet Jesus and the disciples at different times to say, you know what? Maybe God wants to glorify you. Maybe God just wants to bless you a little bit more. This is one of the great temptations that Jesus faces. The devil doesn't tell Jesus, don't go to the cross. The devil just tells Jesus, hey, what if God just wants to bless you with all the kingdoms of this world? Wouldn't that be okay? Isn't it the same thing? Jesus is like, it's not the same thing. Obedience is how God is glorified. Now, I just want to show you how this is going to happen in the New Testament. The disciples of Jesus are going to be doing what Jesus called them to do. And at one point in the book of Acts, you can read this in another time, the book of Acts, they're healing people and they're doing some different miracles and the people are so enamored with this. They decide that they're going to try to worship the disciples. Just, I'm going to read it slowly, so just listen to this. Listen how crazy this is. When the apostles heard this, Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes. They tore their clothes and rushed into the crowd shouting, friends, why are you doing this? Like, why are you trying to glorify us? Like, what's going on here? He says, why are you doing this? We too are only human, like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God. And even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Can you imagine? We live in a world that has made it very easy for us to confuse glory that only belongs to God with a little bit of glory that is for us. Just we live in a world where people are like, you know what, God's blessing me and that's a sign that God's with me. We have this fascination with hero worship. And if COVID has taught us anything, everybody's ready to be a hero. Just trust me. Oh, get a Twitter account. Everybody. But are we acting in such a way that when we respond to people, when we live with people, when we pray with people, they want to glorify God the Father more? 
Or are they more interested in us and what we have to say? Jesus is like, if you overheard me pray, you know that you live in a world that will also confuse you and disrupt you by telling you maybe God just wants to bless you a bit more. God just wants you to be successful. God just wants your projects to go ahead. You know what? Everybody will start praying if that's how prayer works. Trust me. If you knew that started to pray this week would help your business grow, would help your kids be perfect, would help your marriage be healed, oh, you would trust me. You would quit your job and start praying. But you know that that's not how prayer works. Because when we overhear Jesus pray, he says something much deeper. I'll finish with this last thing that Jesus says as we overhear him praying. He says this, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Remember, Jesus is still praying. And he says this to God the Father. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. How beautiful to hear Jesus say that. What it would mean for us if we took that seriously, that the Jesus that we love and the Jesus that we worship is now at his place of ultimate authority. Jesus will use these words all the time. Authority, glory, obedience, do, do what you saw me do. If you're not sure how that looks, listen to my prayer. Just listen into how I prayed. Pray in that way. Jesus says, God, I have done what you've asked me to do. And I have modeled for these disciples here what it means to bring glory to you. What it means that their lives would be committed to worshiping you first. If, you're, if you just need help this week to reflect on maybe how God is speaking to you about the things that you worship, about how you think about glory, about how you think about prayer, about how you think about trusting God in a difficult time, do this. It's a very simple exercise. Sit down by yourself, get a pencil and a piece of paper, and write down all the things that you missed the most since COVID started. Write them down. And likely, what you worship is connected to that list. What you miss the most are the things that have shaped you the most. What you miss the most are the things that your heart has committed to worship and to make a priority the most. How many people do you think are going to put, I miss gathering with the people of God and worshiping together as top of the list? How many? There's been times in my life where like, I'm not putting on the list. I don't even want to see people anymore. I know, it's too early, I know. People who said things and are like, we're leaving the church and we can't, we're fed up and we can't believe this happened. We're like, you know, it's not a bad thing. There's other churches. Tell us how it goes. Make a list. Make a list. And then pray. And say, Jesus, these are the things that shaped me before COVID. And by the way, it's not a bad thing to miss those things. It's not a bad thing to have things we miss. I miss a lot of things. I miss just going on a date with my wife or just being able to watch a movie with my kids, I miss those things, but if they're the priority of how I think about who I am, it's going to be very hard for me to pray and to say, God, may my life glorify you as I do the things you've called me to do. How would you feel over hearing this prayer? Hearing Jesus pray. I promise you this, the disciples understand now that if Jesus had something to do that glorifies the Father, we all have something to do with our lives that will glorify the Father. We have things that God has in store for us that require that we bring glory to God the Father because we were obedient. 
Not because we were concerned about whether glory would come our way. Not because we were concerned about what, whether it's going to be flashy or people are going to get it. All the words we confuse for glory, fame and people recognize you, all those things need to be set aside. And listening to Jesus pray and beginning to pray in that way heals us from this awful way that the, our world points us towards. This awful addiction to have to be the center of every story. Just say, God, what would it look like for me to glorify you with my life? What, it, what would it look like for me to model for my kids that I'm living a life that will point other people to the Father and to his glory? What would that look like for each of us? If you're not sure this matters, I'm going to close with this verse, and I'm going to pray. This is what Paul says to the church in Ephesus. For we are God's handiwork. Some of you know the passage by we are God's masterpiece is the passage. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Can you imagine that God has things that he's prepared in advance for us to do? The word masterpiece here, the word handiwork, is a plural word. It's not singular. It's not just me by myself. It's me belonging to the people of God together. The church would have heard this as a, I thought about this image and I, it wouldn't have mattered because we don't have a, okay. But, but imagine going to see like the famous like uh, Last Supper painting. Any of you ever see the Last Supper painting, right? Like Jesus in the middle and all the, the table, right? Imagine you go to the, see the painting and when you get to see it, like people are missing in the painting. You'd be like, well, this is not the masterpiece I paid to see. Like there's people out here. Jesus is not even in the picture. You'd feel right away that this masterpiece is missing something. That something is not the way it should be. This is the same image that Paul has in Ephesians when he says the people of God, those who have experienced what it means to be loved by God, to be cared for by God, to be carried by God, are now part of this masterpiece. And we've encouraged you from the beginning of COVID to feel the weight of what it means for us to want to be together, to worship together, to learn together. And, and we can't wait to see many of you back with our kids and our youth and to see that God is painting some masterpiece with us that we don't always see and we, we don't understand fully. But those who are overhearing Jesus pray, they know that just the way Jesus had things he had to accomplish, they too now have things to do that God has prepared in advance for them to do. God is preparing us for some new things as the church opens up. I wish I knew what all those things were, but I don't. Am I dreaming about some new things? You better believe it. Am I dreaming about a time where we reconnect with our community and serve in new ways and serve and care for others who are struggling, model a new way forward, plant a new church, all these things? What would it look like for us to say, God, teach us to pray in such a way that we dream of things that we could do that point other people to the glory of the Father? Help us to be that kind of masterpiece for you. Help us to be that. You want to know the truth? I rarely pray that way. You know what I pray about? For God to just fix my issue. For God to make sure that last week was better than this week. But the secret is that because we've overheard Jesus pray, we're learning to pray differently now. We're learning to pray in such a way that makes us want to be those who bring glory to the Father. One of those things I promise you this much, 
will be us teaching the next generation, the people in our community, that we can be a church in the world that loves our city and cares about our city. We're going to have to really rebuild that trust and rebuild a new vision of what it means that we love each other in a new way. God is preparing things in advance for us to do. This is how Jesus is praying. Next week, we continue in listening in to this prayer. I'm going to have you stand. I'm going to pray for us now. Hey, if you're watching online, we, we look forward to seeing you in person. And I'm proud of many of you who are slowly kind of feeling just your schedules changing, getting up earlier on Sunday, shower, clean off the car. You're like, I got. We're learning. We're learning to really start to believe God has prepared things in advance for us to do. Let's just pray. Jesus, thank you for allowing your disciples to listen in. Thank you for being the one who came to prepare us to also be obedient in our time the way you were in your time. We ask you for a new sense of hope stirring in us because we've overheard you pray, Jesus. The way you prayed for Peter, you care for us. The Spirit even now intercedes on our behalf as we struggle to live in a world that's filled with glorifying everything else but you. We are so tempted by those things. We at times are so enamored with the way our world offers us different options. But Jesus, we overheard you pray. And we know that you will help us to be obedient and to prepare ourselves to live in such a way that would bring glory to the Father the way you glorified the Father. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, everyone. We're, uh, we're thankful for uh, a chance to do this together. Hey, many of you know this, especially if you're part of the 180, that the 180 is bigger than just a Sunday morning. <laughs> We look forward to seeing you in our classes this week. Sign up, please, for our prayer night coming up in a few weeks. It's going to be a really special time. And also, if you have kids, you know, just to be aware that as we pick up our kids, we want to keep just mindful of distance, masks, all that stuff as we move through this uh, transition time. Okay, everyone? God bless. Love you all. See you soon. Don't run off. God bless everyone.